Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Dad Can We Talk? I am your host, Anthony Ray, and this is episode 83 of Dad Can We Talk? We are this much closer to getting to episode 100. Y'all know I've been talking about this for a while. Uh, this year, uh, the episodes have been coming a little slow, but I, I, I'm getting back in my groove. Had a lot of stuff going on beginning of the year and this summer, but uh, we're getting back to it. So I am excited to be back with another episode. I am excited to talk to my, to my guest today. <clears throat> uh, he reached out to me on email and said he had checked out the podcast and he wanted he would like to be a guest um i kind of did a little research on him and i'm like yeah i would definitely love to talk to this guy right here man i got y'all know me i like to soak up the wisdom and uh, i believe he has a lot of wisdom that i could uh that i could use for my fatherhood journey and also my marital journey and um, that's what we're going to get into today. So uh, without further ado, man, y'all welcome to the show. My man, Anthony McNeil. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you um, accepting and having me come on and, and kick it with you. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, the, the way I, I really, uh, before I get into my first question, I want you to kind of introduce yourself and tell the people who you are and where you are and everything. Absolutely, man. Like you said, my name's Anthony also um, from the state yeah. of Michigan, just outside of Detroit and um, 56 years old and husband of 30 years to the same beautiful woman, yes, uh, two daughters, both grown now, 27 and, tw and 23. I'm a retired police officer. I've been retired now for almost 10 years. Uh, entrepreneur. I've been in business from my entrepreneurial side almost 30 years. Um, podcaster. I have one of the top law enforcement podcasts out. Um, I'm a CEO of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, which is my network um, where I have a bunch of other first responder uh, podcasts. I also host the We Black Fathers podcast. And I have another podcast called Out the Rough, which is a, a golf podcast for black folks. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just like to travel, like to play golf, like yeah. spend time with my wife and and just enjoy life, man. That's about it. Yes, sir, man. I love to hear that. This, did y'all hear all all of that? Did y'all hear everything <laughs> this man has going on, man? You know, it's all types of stuff we can get into with all the stuff he just talked about. But uh, you know what we're gonna do today? We're gonna stick to some fatherhood. We're gonna stick to some family stuff, some marriage. But uh, I want to get right into it with you, man. Um, my first question is always the same, and I want to take it back really quick. I want mm -hmm. you to go back. What was your relationship like with your dad growing up? Talk about that. Oh man, my pops. Rest in peace, pop. Rest in peace, pop. My dad passed when he was 44. You know, he had cancer. And um, my dad was, I like to describe him as one of the best fathers on the planet until he got a bottle in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad, you know, he had his his his, his problems with alcohol. And as a result of that, that caused other issues in the house, you know, domestic situations between him and my mom. And, but my relationship with him, you know, I credit me being the man that I am to my dad. Mm. You know, I like to, if, if I had to put a label on my dad, 
anybody that watches Good Times or the or the old TV show Good Times, James Evans was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't take no mess, and he didn't hesitate to put his foot in your in your butt when you needed it. Yeah. You know, and um, but my old man, man, like I said, we spent a lot of time together as a kid. And my old dad was what I would call the stereotypical Southern black man. And what I mean by that is in my life, in the 44 years that he was here, he told me he loved me once. Wow. But I knew he loved me, but his way of showing love was to put food on the table, clothes on your back, a roof over your head. You know, that was his way of, of showing love. And, you know, he and I, we spent a lot of time together fishing and, and camping and things like that, you know? And he always taught me, like I said, man, he it, he taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to go out and and get what I want. You know, don't don't count on nobody to give you anything. If you want something, you gotta go get it. And um, like I say, until he got that bottle in his hand, man, he was the best father on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Man, how, uh, that's interesting. Um, I've heard a few guys say that on the podcast about their dads, um, about them not, telling them that they love them but showing them how important has it been for you being a father with uh to your daughters how important was it for you to um did you carry that same thing you know to where you would rather show them than tell them or or is it an important thing for you to actually tell them verbally out of your mouth no, my girl's sensitive, man. They got to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell them hey. every day, man. I tell them yeah. every single day they've been on this planet that I love them, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's, I, you know, being a father of, of daughters, I think is a little different than, than sons. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and times have changed also, you know, me growing up in, in the seventies and eighties and all that stuff when I was with my dad, it, yeah. Men just didn't express express themselves like that. You yeah. know, now today in today's world is more acceptable, I guess, for lack of a term, better term. Mm. But you know, I it, in terms of what I, you know, I learned a lot from my dad and what not to do mm. when it came to parenting. You know, and that was one of them, making sure I told my kids every day that I love them. Yeah, you know, because like I said, my dad passed when he was forty four, and we're not promised. As young, to be yeah. here, you know. So, and 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 it, and it's funny, man. I just tell you the impact he had on me when I started the police academy. Um, well, actually, just before I started, we had to go through this training to get into the academy. And I remember, man, I was run. We were running, and they were killing us. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I just want to stop. Mm. And all I remember, man, is my dad just popping in my head. And it's like, don't your ass dare stop. Yeah, you keep going. I ain't I ain't raised you to be a quitter. You keep going. And man, that's what got me through. Yeah. You know, so he he had his he had his his impact on me and I tried to instill a lot of what he taught me into my girls. And mm -hmm. you know, my girls they tell me all the time, we're lucky we were girls cuz we know if we were boys we would have it hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sir. See, and, and I say that because I have I also have two girls. And I feel okay. like they're the same their same age difference as your your girls about 3 to 4 years apart. And, but in the middle, I have a son mm -hmm. and, um, man, I make it my thing to tell my son all the time, you know, out of my mouth, you know, how much I love him and 
I think that's something that he really, he really, he tells me all the time, you know, he just sometimes randomly walks in my room and I'm like, what's going on, man? He's like, daddy, I love you. <laughs> like, okay, I love you too, man. And he just walks out and just like lives his life. And, um, you know, I just think it's just a really important thing for us to be able to express that. And I do understand, you know, growing up in your era, you know, that was a totally different thing, yeah. you know, way different than our era right now, man. And, and I want you to talk about that. Like, what were, and did you grow up, what, in that same area, Detroit area? Yeah, man, for the most part, we grew up in this area. And it, and, it, and this is the funny part. We grew up in Detroit. Um, I did, my parents got divorced when I was in the, I think, eighth or ninth grade. I can't remember what, what it was. But, you know, the whole time we were in Detroit, and it was just... Like I said, man, times were just crazy. It was different then. Even growing up, you know, we never stayed in the house and, and stuff like that. You know, we were out ripping and running. And I, I, I remember my old man, like I said, he, my, my old man didn't take no stuff. I remember getting into a fight with one of the, 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 the kids across the street from me. And, you know, my dad told me, you know, you better not come back here with an ass whooping or you're going to get a second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a different era right there, man. <laughs> but you know what, though, man, I appreciated all that because growing up, I look at a lot of the cats that I grew up with, and a lot of them are either dead or in jail. Wow. And had it not been for my father, even despite his shortcomings, him not being there, I could have easily have gone, easily have gone that route. Yeah. You know, but I think him just being there and, and, and the times that we did spend together and the conversations that we did have, I think that was the difference, mm. you know, and, and, and I appreciate him for that. You know, like I said, despite all the shortcomings that he had, and he had a lot, mm. but I learned a lot from him. And also, like I said, I also learned what not to do when it came to parenting, you know? So I, 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 I can't say anything bad of, uh, in terms of the way he raised me, because again, I, I contribute who I am to him. Mm -hmm. That's real, that's real, man. And that, I, I love that so much, man. You know, even me not having my dad present in my life, taught me a lot mm -hmm. you know? and now as I'm you know in my 30s now and my dad and I have a fairly good relationship now you know we talk you know weekly at least now and you know just having conversations with him and seeing the knowing the things that I miss not having him there has taught me so much about being a dad things like you said things that I know I don't want to do you yeah. know ways that I know I don't want to be like you know, and even little small conversations, you know, I have with my dad today, you know, sometimes I take one thing out the conversation and I'm like, man, I needed to hear that. You know, and it might be the, the smallest thing in the world, but I'm like, you know, I'm always looking for something that I can cling to and say, man, you know what, you know, I was just thinking about it this morning. I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative for you know, the little that my dad does, you know, he's trying right now, like really mm -hmm. trying really hard. And he's, he's been through a lot of stuff in his life. Like you say, the flaws, he has some real flaws, but I'm always, every time I talk with my dad, I, I tell him how much I love him, man. You know, and he tells me the same thing, man. Just, yeah. You know, he, he feels, I think at times he's trying to overcompensate 
for time that he missed. And I'm just always telling him, man, you're good, Pops. Man, we <laughs> yeah. all right, bro. You know, yeah, he right. probably feel a little guilty, but, you know, yeah. you're trying to make up for it. But he, he there now. Yeah. You know, and that's man. all that matters. Straight up, man. And that it. So for any dad out there, you know, don't don't never feel like it's too late to make it right with your children. Don't ever feel like it's you're not spending enough time. Put some whatever time you can give, you know, because one thing kids will always remember is the time. Yeah. A lot of times, like I don't really remember a lot of things that I received growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I just remember the times. Even when it comes to my mom, I, I just remember times that we had, you know, memories that you know, she did something with me. I, I remember everything she said to me. Yeah. I remember everything my dad said, you know, times when I did see him. And one thing I do always remember is my dad always told me how much he loved me. Every time he did see me, even if it was once or twice a year, those one that one time or that those two times I did see him throughout the year, mm-hmm. it was always love, you know, son, I love you. You know, make sure you're doing good in school. You know, just always something positive. Yeah. Just, you know that, you know, now I that, that I'm growing, I understand, you know, he had some issues. Yeah. And he, he he did love me. He just he had problems. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, and like I say, man, you know, they. They went through what they went through. We couldn't undo that. You know, all we can do is learn from it and and, and, and not hopefully not make them same mistakes, you know, and you yeah. touched on a couple of things that, you know, if, if I could say to to any fathers out there. And one of those things you mentioned was just spending that time. Mm-hmm. And man, that, that's so important, you know, because I, I look at, I have a, a my wife's niece and she's, I think, 30 now, but, you know, her dad's not in her life. And I remember she, she's, she's from Florida and I remember she came up here to stay with us during the summer, one summer, and I think she was probably about eight or 10, somewhere around there. And her and my wife was out at a, uh, at Sam's club or Costco or someplace. And they ran into her dad. And that was the first time he had ever seen her. Wow. And, um, you know, he, he was all excited and, and, and all of this stuff. She was excited because she had never, she had never laid eyes on her father before. Wow. And, you know, he made all these promises that he was going to come pick her up and they was going to hang out while she was here. And I, man, I will never forget. She had her bags packed. She was sitting there waiting and old boy never showed up. Dang. That crushed her, man. That crushed, and to this day, I think that still affects her. I think that lack of relationship with her father still affects her to this day. You know, like I said, she's 30 years old now. You know, so if you're out there and you're and you're making those kind of promises to your kids, if you know, if you're not with the mom or or you don't have full time with your kids and you're telling them that you're gonna come do something or do something with them, man, go do it because they are counting on it. They are counting on that. And for you not to, 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 to do that, you, you are there. You don't realize it as a father. We don't realize it as a father, but our kids look up to us so much, man. They look up to us so much. And when we disappoint them, it hurts them. That's real. It hurts them a lot, you know? So I tried to spend a lot of time with my girls. You know, as a matter of fact, my, my youngest daughter, she loves to travel like we all do. But she called me uh, a couple of months ago and she says, Dad, I was just thinking, you know, I've been on a trip with mom, just the two of us. I've been on a trip with, you know, her and her sister. 
you and I have never gone on a trip. Let's book a trip and go on a trip together. So we booked a trip and we're going out to San Francisco um, early next year together, you know, but it's yeah. just about, again, it goes back to just spending that time. Even she's 23 years old now, she still wants to spend time with dad, you know, and I appreciate that, you know? Love that, I love that. Man, you know, that's something that I, that I always think about. You know, my kids are nine, six and five right now. Mm -hmm. So I try to, carve out time to spend with each child alone because i believe that that's a really important thing especially with my son mm -hmm. you know uh there's times like last friday you know we're just all i'm always with all the kids we go out we do certain things but sometimes i'm like hey put your shoes on put some clothes on man we're about to go to a football game you know just me and you then my daughters are like oh we we want to go too. And I'm like, no, stay home with mommy. You know, I need some time with my son. Yeah. And, you know, at times, you know, they get all in their feelings about that and get upset. But I'm just like, I have to have that time with my son where it's just me and him. Yeah. Where we can ride in the car and I can talk with him and he will talk my ear off. And I love it. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Backseat and he's just talking. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he yeah, just that's what's up, though. Man. Whatever. And, you know, there's times when I try to spend time with my youngest daughter or my oldest daughter alone because I think that's something, like I have big, uh, they have big sibling rivalries, all of okay. them. It's a big thing for them. And I think, you know, I'm really starting to notice that I think they're just trying to fight for their time. Yeah. And I think they're really having a hard time with that. Yeah. All, all three of them, man. and um. That's something that I'm trying to focus more on, you know, giving them individual time. Is that something that you had that you ran into raising? I know you had just those two daughters. Is that something that you ran into? Um, that's a, a, well, a, a little bit. It was it was kind of different for us because, you know, like I said, I, I, I was a police officer at the time. My wife was a nurse, so we we had shift hours, and you know, we yeah. in order to so we we didn't have to pay daycare. I, we were off on opposite days. So when I was with the kids, I was with the kids all day, you know, three, four days out of the week. And then she would be with them, you know, and then, you know, when we would plan our family trips and everything. But my kids were different, man. My my oldest, the minute she walks in the room, you know, she's there. Yeah. The youngest, she could be in the room with you all day and you forget she's there. <laughs> you know, it's just two totally different personalities. So they require different attention or uh, 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 affection and things like that, you know? Mm. And, um, my, you know, like I say, my youngest, she could spend time by herself all day long. Well, the, the oldest, you always got to engage with her. You always got to do something with her. But it, it, it's, it's funny, man, because they, even though they had these different personalities, they both had their little sneaky ways, mm. you know? And, they, 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 they tried to compete for, for time to get with us, you know, but we all, it always worked out because, you know, I, I tried to, like you say, I tried to divide that time with them, even though we had our together time, I still felt that it was important to sit down with each one of them individually and spend that time with them because it just makes that bond even stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, it just makes that bond that much stronger because you're giving them 100% of, of your attention, you know, and, and, and they crave that. Mm -hmm. Have you ever looked into um, this is something that I ran into sometime last year? I was looking at the love languages and I, I focus on that with my wife a lot of times. You know, what are my wife's love languages? You know, how does how can I can uh, 
communicate my love to her best? You know, how, well, how does she like for me to communicate my love to her best? You know, mm -hmm. and so looking into those love languages and finding all this stuff out about my wife and it hit me one day, I'm like, you know, my kids, they're humans too. You know, just the same way I have love languages and my wife has love languages, my kids all are different, you know, and I think at times I try to love all of them the same. Yeah. But that doesn't work. It don't work. No. It, it, it'll never work because yeah. they're all different people, man. So uh, have you ever really, do you know your daughter's love languages? I'm not too familiar with that, but I, I in terms of just what they crave, what, 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 what gets them for my oldest, you have to, she's the huggy touchy. Yeah. Billy type. Physical touches. Yeah. 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 My youngest, she go to give you a hug. She'll just lean in with her head, <laughs> <laughs> but she likes to sit and talk. Yeah. She can sit and talk to you all day long. So that you know? one is, what is that one? I think that's uh that's quality time. Okay. So yeah, her, her okay. language is quality time and probably words of affirmation. She probably yes. likes you to express, yep. you know, your love to her. Yep. She, and, 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 and like I say, the oldest, you know, she'll, she'll make sure you grab and hug her because that's what she, that's her thing. She loves the physical contact, but the youngest, it's just spending that time together and just that quality time with one another. And like I say, just planning this trip, you know, that's what she enjoys. That's what she looks forward to. And she, she likes her a long time, but when it comes to her mom and I, she, she, she really craves that, 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 that one-on-one -on -one with us, mm. you know, and we've ever, ever since they were little, we know we've always taken our family vacations together. So we've always had that. But now that you talk about it, man, I, looking back, I can see that one-on-one -on -one was so important because mm -hmm. it, it, it meant a lot to us. You know, like my oldest now, she's married and we're expecting our first grandchild here in, in um, February, you know, and uh, it's gonna be a boy we found out. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, but just looking back, you know, I, I remember some of the conversations I had to, to, to have with her, like I with both of my kids, I never had to put my hands on either one of them. Mm. It, well, I take that back. My, my oldest daughter, I had to spank once when she yeah. was like five or six or something. Um, but other than that, they just knew when my voice got to a certain tone, they didn't, they didn't play no more. You know, it was over, you know? So my kids, they're amazing, man. I, 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 I can't say anything harsh about, you know, they have their issues cause they grew up in a, and this was something my wife and I intentionally did when, when they were in middle school and in high school, they went to all a predominantly all white schools. Mm. And we had moved out of this area and we had moved into a predominantly white area and that was for the education. And we, and we're glad we did it because my, they both graduated with honors. My, my youngest graduated high school a year early. Um, you know, my oldest now, her and her husband are both attorneys and my youngest, she works in the government, um, in DC, you know, so we're, we're, we're happy that we made those sacrifices for them, but at the same time, it did cause them some, some, some some identity issues yeah uh, um, and <clears throat> now that they're both in their 20s they're starting to reconnect with that side mm -hmm. you know and like my, my my oldest daughter you know she's she's married to a white guy and I, I love him to death because I was when I first met him you know I was a little apprehensive 
uh, especially out in the area that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, they and his parents invited us to a, uh, a party that they were having. And my wife and I go, and it was only one other black couple there out of probably about 60, 70 people. Wow. And the brother comes over to me and he says, you Amanda's dad? I said, yeah. He goes, man, let me tell you something. You see all these white people around here? <laughs> they love your daughter. Yeah. And I was like, what? He was like, man, I met your daughter three years ago at one of these functions and I would never forget her. And I started talking to like my, my, my son-in-law's grandparents and all of these. And are you Amanda's dad? Yeah. Oh my God, you guys have done such a great job. So we knew we did something right, you know, and we're glad we did that because now in the profession that she's in, she's learned that she has to deal with all races. She's learned that she has to deal with different types of people. So it was a sacrifice. And, and, and now like they're both older, they found themselves again, but going through high school and middle school, that was something that they struggled with, you know, big time. I remember my daughter, my youngest daughter, she's a, she, she likes to write. And she wrote a story called um, A Black Girl's Hair. Mm. And it was about how her hair didn't look like the white girls and how the white girls would always question her about it. It actually got published on MTV. Um, it, was, it was it was such a good, a good story. I actually cried when I read it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but, they, you know, they, they found themselves, you know, they, they they went through what they had to go through. And we always made sure that they knew who they were. Yeah. You know, so. And and I think that's so important, man. You know, uh, the last, the last two, the last three years, my, um, my oldest daughter, she was going to a private school. We ended up putting her in a private school in first grade. So she's in fourth grade this year. And my son, he went only for his kindergarten year. And uh, this year we had to switch them back over to public school because we couldn't get our youngest into school that we were trying to get them into. So we're just again next year. But um, I, I started to see this thing with my, with my oldest daughter being around a lot of white kids. And, you know, me and my wife, we're like super, we're like culture. We are like these super pro-black people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm like, oh, I just hope she just don't start to feel like she's any less than anyone. Yeah. And that's just something that I'm always pressing on her about, you know, um, you know, my wife, she has the locks. And so my daughter was like, I want locks too. So we, she got, she has some locks now. And um, I think one time my wife put, you know, says some fake locks in her hair just to, so she didn't have to mess with it for like a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one day she, when she was about to take the locks out, my daughter, like she starts panicking, like, Oh no, no, people are going to say this and say that. So, so I'm overhearing the conversation. I kind of get, you know, I'm like, huh? Yeah. Who, who's going to get mad? Who's going to say what? Did someone say something? And, you know, so I'm kind of getting mad. So she's like, like, no, no, that is not dad. I'm like, come on, man. You know, we, if we going to talk about it, let's talk about it because right. there's someone at school that's picking at you or making you feel like you're any less because I'm like, it don't make sense mommy's going to take this hair out and you have the same hair up under it. It's just right. your real hair. So I don't understand the panic. And she would just, you know, she ended up sitting down talking with me and she was just like, you know, she just was just a little scared about what people might think. And I had this whole talk with her about how beautiful she is in her own skin. 
Yeah. You know, with her own hair. And yes, she doesn't look like other people at her school. And she reassured me that no one ever said anything. Yeah. You know, she just, you know, it was just, she's self-conscious, you know, yeah. she making sure that she's not feeling, you know, well, I don't want for anyone to feel any type of way. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, and, and some people might, mm -hmm. and that's fine. And that's normal. You know, everyone won't like you. Everyone won't think that you're what I think, you know, but yeah. just know what me and mommy think is what's more, most important. Most important. Absolutely. God created you to be. And, um, you know, so we had that talk and I think it's just, and I try to always keep her around, you know, only time they're really in that type of environment is at school mm -hmm. and all of our friends are like us, but, um, you but know, that's something else though, man, not, not, I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but you, and you will see this as your girls get older, more, more so your girls than your, your, your girls than your son, mm -hmm. as they get older, social media mm. and their social circles, yeah, so, social circles will have a profound impact on them. Mm. Both of my girls dealt with it. I have nieces that deal with it. I, my wife's daughters deal. My wife's friends' daughters deal with it. Mm. It's, it's, it's. I don't know what it is, but it's just something about this, 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 this um, culture or this, this age. The kids are in, in today's society and social media. It has a huge impact on their outlook of themselves in the world. And just, just be mindful of it as your kids get older. Like I said, I, I don't have sons, so I can't speak on sons, mm -hmm. but I know with girls, it, it, it definitely had a, a, a impact on them. Like my, my cousin's daughter, um, she just entered her first year of college and I was um, talking to her and her sister, they're 18 and 14 because I was going to be giving a speech to some, some kids at a school. And I wanted to know what were some of the problems that kids their age face today. Mm. And both of them said self-image and social media. And they were just talking about how big it is because girls look down on them. If you don't look a certain way, or if you don't look like this, or you don't look like that, or so that's just something to be mindful of, you know, and for fathers that, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll kind of blow that off because, you know, it's like, come on, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll kind of blow it. But it, it, it's something that's important to them. And it's something to keep an eye out for, because it, it at some point it does affect them. How did you and your wife deal with social media with your kids growing up? My youngest daughter, she never was really into social media. She didn't, I mean, she got into Instagram a little bit, but you know, she never was out there. My daughter, she likes taking pictures of butterflies and stuff like that. You know, she's, she's very outdoorsy. Yeah. So she likes doing stuff like that. My oldest, you know, she was on social media. Um, and I don't, I don't think it, it, it affected her from the stand. And here's the funny thing. Even though my youngest daughter wasn't on it because of the school system that she was in, like she would she would hear later or see pictures of her groups of, of white friends <clears throat> at a gathering or something together. And she would and they would post it on social media and she would want to know why she wasn't invited. Mm. You know, it was things like that. And that's how it, social media affected them. Um, and, to, and, and my oldest daughter she's always 
Social media, I don't think social media affected her the way it did my youngest daughter. Yeah. You know, my oldest daughter's always kind of had a, a, a good head on her shoulder in terms of who she is. She had her, her small bout of, of self-doubt, um, but she, she just naturally just grew out of it, you know? And she's and 27, right? She's 27, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's like but, six years younger than me, so she, I think without, she's kind of right there lumped in with my era, you know, without, with, with people our age, I always say we, we kind of have an advantage in this social media era because we knew what it was like to grow up without it. Yeah. You know, I think really social media really didn't start really hitting. I graduated 07. That was so about the time it started. So 07, 08, somewhere 07, around there. 08 yeah. was when we kind of first started. So when I was in high school, like I don't, I didn't get a cell phone until 10th grade. Yeah. So for me, it was like cell phones and tablets, especially like tablets and all that. That really wasn't a thing for us, mm -hmm. but we were you we were learning about it in school. So when it came out, it was like, oh, this is an extra thing. We knew how to go outside and we knew how to interact with people in person mm -hmm. and all of that. I think for your young is what she's 24, right? 23, 24, yeah. 23, 24, so she's like, I think she's a little more on that side where she kind of, you know, she grew up with it. A little. Grew up with it. Yeah. So I think it's harder for those, you know, maybe the 20, I always say about 24, 23 and under, they kind of grew up with it in their hands. You know, they, yeah. they're really the technological air, you know, the, oh, I forgot what they're even called. What are they? Gen, Gen Z? think there's yeah I, I can't never keep up with yeah, that I, I <laughs> but i think they, they might be like the gen z you yeah know, i think they were right there because what what year was she born she was the oldest she was 98 youngest. the youngest was born in i'm sorry the youngest was born in 98 the youngest the oldest was born in 95 98 see i had i took a class on this stuff and I think that 98 was like that cutoff year where it was, I think that's Gen Z, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, they really did grow up with it. Oh, I took a marketing class one time and it was just about, you know, social media and, you know, who knowing how to market to different age groups. And, you know, it, every time it talked about that Gen Z group, you know, they, you got to really think about what they, they grew up on all of these things. They're using the TikToks. And, yeah. But you know what's funny though, man? Did you say that now? My youngest daughter, she she was a little socially awkward. Mm. And everything, like in, instead of just picking up the phone and call somebody, she's more comfortable texting. Yeah, yeah. That's how you I'm know. Like. So she, <laughs> she's more comfortable texting people. So I, and like even when she was getting out into the workforce after she graduated, and I would tell her, I said, listen. You have to email people. You have to, you can't just text people. You have to pick up the phone and call and talk to these people. You can't just communicate via email. Everything, you know, you have to pick up the phone. And, so that was something that she really had to learn. But the best thing for her, when she got hired um, into the government, the department that she's in, because it's a highly secured area, they can't have phones while they're working. Wow. So that was one of the best things to happen to her because she was only 21, 22 when she got hired in. Wow. And not having her phone with her forced her to learn how to interact and communicate and talk to people. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the best things that happened to her. 
you know, because she was definitely one of the, oh, she, I'll, I'll just text them. I'll even, no, pick up the phone and call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's something I'm on my kids about all the time. You know, I'm, I'm really specific about the social, uh, you know, just electronics period. You know, um, I tell my kids during the week, they cannot touch anything. I don't want them Monday through Friday. Well, until at least Friday after you get out of school, I don't want you on a phone. I don't want to see a computer, uh, laptop, computer, mm-hmm. any of that TV and Xbox. I don't want any of that stuff. If anything, if you want something to do, go outside and use your imagination. Yeah. Exactly. Go and play and do something constructive. I don't want you just stuck in this stuff because I, I just, I, I see the effects of it. And that's something that I'm, I am terrified of it. You know, I hear you, man. I just don't, you know, they always ask me, daddy, how do you know so many people? You know, when I'm out and about, all <laughs> people see me, they're like, how do you have so many friends? I'm like, that guy wasn't my friend. I just met him just now. You know, right. we're in the grocery store. He said he liked my shoes. And I was like, hey, what's your name? You know, I have a conversation. And uh, just trying to be that example for them to show them that, you know, you have to be able to talk and communicate with people, not just see people when you stare like, Right. You're going to say something, you know, like if you're going to stare, at least say something. Yeah. Don't just stare and then. And, and now that you said all of this, man, it's funny just thinking about my kids, because my, my oldest, she will not hesitate to open up her mouth to somebody. But the youngest, like I say, man, she she was just social, socially awkward a lot. And it's just something that she just had to grow out of. And I, my, my, I have a nephew. I remember my mom called me and she says, hey, can you come over and cut the grass? And I had a lot going on, so I couldn't get to it right away. And when I finally got over there, my my nephew was there. And my nephew was, at the time, I think he was like 16, 17. I said, how long have you been here? She said, oh, he spent the night. I said, and you called me to come cut the grass? Now I go in the back room, he back there on his Xbox. Man, I snatched that thing out the plug. Man, if you don't get your butt out there and cut that grass. <laughs> you know, but he hates to see me coming because he will stay on that thing 24-7. So he'll go over to my mom's house because he know he can do it there. You know, but yeah. um, man, if you don't get your butt off that game and get out there and cut that grass. <laughs> but that's one of the things my old man did to me. My old man said, I'm not giving you an allowance. I put food on the table for you. If you want extra money, you go out and work for it. Yeah. You know, he said, I'll buy you a lawnmower. Now you go out and cut grass, but I'm not giving you an allowance, you know, you know, so it's just, it's just a different time, man. That's for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to go ahead, man. You know, I know you did some time on the police force. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to a young kid on how to interact with law enforcement? Man, this subject, let me tell you something, man. If you, whether you're a young kid, an adult, anybody, Mm. if you interact with the police, don't, whether you did something or not, Mm. you don't have to get rude and upset out the rip. Yeah. Because all that's going to do is escalate things from from square one. Mm. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a young lady that it was a, she was a sister that I had stopped, I was headed to the station. I had no intentions on writing this girl a ticket. I stopped her because she didn't have her headlights on and it's in the middle of the night. So I walk up to the car and the first thing she says to me before I can say anything is, you only stopping me because I'm black. No, that's not why I'm stopping you, ma'am. 
well, you ain't got nothing better to do. Why are you stopping me? I said, man, if you calm down, I'll be happy to tell you why I'm stopping you. You don't have your headlights on. She looks down, realized they ain't on. I said, have a good night. And I start to walk back to the car. She jumps out of the car. Oh, uh, officer, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it, man. It's not a big deal. Now, imagine had that been a white officer. Yeah. That would have gone differently. Yes, sir. You know, so I, I, I tell people, I, even, even my own family members, when you get stopped by the police, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, give them what they ask for and, and, and let them do their job. 99% of the cops out there are not looking to, to get into a confrontation, believe me. They just want to do their job. But we as people, it's just human nature, when you get stopped or, or, or detained, you, you get upset, mm -hmm. but you have to be smart and realize that that can escalate into something more and it doesn't have to. I, and, and I say this to all officers, I always tell officers, listen, anytime we have an interaction with somebody, it leaves an impression, good, bad, or otherwise. We always try to start it good. And it's up to the individual to decide where it goes from there. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's the rule that a lot of officers try to follow. Now, and sometimes, even in my career, it don't always start there. You sometimes you're gonna start it bad, <laughs> you know. But that's where you have to learn to de-escalate. I'll give you a perfect example. I don't know if you heard about the story that just happened in Alabama with the pastor that got a, arrested for water in his neighbor's yard. No, I didn't hear that. Okay. Uh older pastor, black gentleman in Alabama. His neighbor's out of town. They asked him to water his flower, their flowers while he's gone. Mm. So he, for whatever reason, he pulls his car into their driveway and he's out there and he's watering the flowers. Well, a white neighbor on the other side of these people's house, all she can see is this car in their driveway. She can't see who it is. So she calls the police about a suspicious vehicle. Mm. Two white officers arrive. They ask the gentleman, do you live here? He says, no, I'm just watering the flowers for my neighbors. They're out of town. They asked him for his ID. And he says, no, I'm not giving you my ID. I'm not doing anything wrong, mm. which no, he knows he's not doing anything wrong, but, and this is what I try to tell people. You have to understand the police get lied to all the time. Mm. So when someone, if they ask you for your ID, just give them the ID. But the fact that he didn't give them the ID and I understand he was pissed off because, Hey, I'm just out here watering flowers. I get it. I get, but you got to think longer than that. Mm. You got to think beyond that, 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 that second there, because it's going to escalate. All right. So just give them the ID and let them do their thing. And, and, and the, the white lady ended up coming back out that call. And she says, Oh, I didn't know it was, it was preacher such and such. He, yeah, he's here watering the flowers for the neighbors. But because he had taken it to that next level and refused to give them an ID, and he started, he became very upset. They end up arresting him. Wow. And that didn't have to go that way. And, 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 it's, and, and it's, it's both of their faults, both the officers and the gentleman. Because I understand why he got upset. But he has to understand that he shouldn't have gotten it because he did nothing wrong. He did absolutely nothing wrong. Let these men do their job and go on about their business. But because of their ego, when he refused to give them their ID, now for, for once that lady came out and said, oh, he belongs here. I'm sorry, sir. Sorry for the inconvenience, but we got a call. Go 
go ahead, finish watering your flowers, have a nice day. That's how that should have gone. <clears throat> but instead, it went the opposite way. They end up arresting this guy. Now there's a big lawsuit. All the charges got dropped, obviously, you know, because he was doing nothing wrong. And that's what I try to tell people. If you know you are doing nothing wrong, don't get upset because the police stop. You don't feel like they're only stopping you because you're black. I get another example, man, on Facebook, back over the 4th of July holiday, my own family, that side of the family, they're on live on Facebook and they're in the city that I used to work in. There's about 12 police cars out there. And all I hear is, oh, they just doing this because we black. They just doing that because this, 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 this. And I'm looking at the video and I know this side of the family. Yeah. I'm like, if you look at the video, you know why they there. Yeah. Because y'all do this every single year. Man, they had the streets so covered in trash <laughs> and fireworks. They had yeah. the streets blocked off where people couldn't get. And the neighbors were pissed off and they called. And there's about 25, 30 of them out there doing this. And they it was like a war zone. There was so many fireworks they had set off. Yeah. You know, and in and, and that instance, they were wrong. You know, the police aren't harassing you tonight. They're, somebody called, all your neighbors and called because you're out here doing this nonsense. You know, yeah. and, and I don't want to turn this into a, 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 a police thing, but just remember, y'all, when you out there dealing with the police, 99% of these cats out there just want to do their job and go about their business. And you have to remember that. Now, are there bad cops out there? Absolutely. Are there people that don't need to be on the police support force? Absolutely. Mm. But that's in every walks of society. But 99% of the cats out there just trying to do their job and go home. I mean, I myself, I was involved in a, in a shooting. You know, I've, I had to shoot somebody. He didn't pass, but I had to shoot. It was a gentleman, young brother. He got into a traffic altercation on the freeway with the family, a, 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 a black husband and wife, and he shot at him on the freeway. Well, as they exit, exit the freeway, they just happened to pull up to a light and there's another officer there. And they, I could hear them in the background because he's trying to call it out on the radio. And it's like, he just shot at us. He just shot us. Long story short, we end up getting into a pursuit. And I, I made intentional contact with his car and his car spun out and went up into the median. And my car veered off and it died right across from his. Well, I can hear, he was behind me. I could hear his engine revving. So I knew he was going to try to ram my car. So I jumped out of the car and then sure enough, here he comes off the median right at me. So I end up drawing and I end up shooting three times. One went through the windshield. And when the first one hit the windshield, he turned to go northbound in the southbound lanes of traffic. And the other two went through the door and it ended up hitting twice in the side. You know, and like I say, he didn't die or anything, but you know, just, just stupidity. Just, you, you just gotta think when you're out there in, in society, man, because a lot of stuff can go wrong real quick you know and i didn't go to work that day thinking i was going to shoot somebody that wasn't my intention you know I, I i didn't have those thoughts in my head when i would i just wanted to go home and make it back to my kids mm. you know and, and that's what a lot of officers out there want to do but unfortunately the job that we're that we're in the job that we have to do it doesn't always and you know that that way you 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 do have to put your hands on people you know unfortunately because ain't nobody gonna just turn around and just put put handcuffs on themselves you know not everybody and 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 if i had 10 encounters in a day with with you know and i'm just say just arrest 
if I arrest 10 people in a day, nine of them with no problem. Mm -hmm. But it was always that one. You know, and that's the one that makes the news, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> so oh. I, I, I can't say it enough. When you get stopped by the police, I got stopped the other day, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> mm. Just, you know, and I, I just know I said, hey, hey, sir, I'm sorry. Was I speeding? Yeah, you were speeding. I knew I was speeding, mm. you know, and I said, I'm sorry, but I, I am carrying. I'm a retired PO. You know, I got my badge and my, and my ID. Yeah. Does that get me off? Yeah. But even if I didn't have it, I would, it would have been the same. Sir, I'm sorry. Was I speeding? Here's my ID. You know, I apologize. Let him do his thing. If he's going to write me a ticket, I'm definitely not going to dispute it right there because I'm not going to win. Mm. You know, why, why escalate something that don't need to be escalated? I'll, I'll take it to court and fight it in court if I need to. You know, at least that way I know I'm going to see another day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yes, sir. <laughs> and that's why I just try to tell people, you know, I understand people get pissed off when police stop them and all that stuff. But a lot of times, man, cops just out there just doing their job. And just one more story, if I may. I remember we had an armed robbery one night and it was it was on the shift before I started. And right when my shift started, it was me and two other officers. We decided we were hungry. So we went to this restaurant to get something to eat. And while we're sitting there, these three brothers walk in and we all just look at each other like, I know they didn't just walk through the door. Mm. They came, three brothers come, they sit at the table right across from us. The restaurant is packed. We get up, we go over, we ask the gentleman to stand up and everybody in the restaurant, all they see is three police officers now asking these three young kids to stand up and put their hands behind their back. They don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, why y'all messing with them? Y'all just doing this because they black. Why y'all? No. We go out to the car. There's the gun. There's the property that they had just stole. And every, they, they would just happen stupid enough to just walk in and sit down next to us. But to everybody in the restaurant, it looks like we were just eating. They walked in and we just went over and started harassing them. No, we knew who they were. <laughs> you know so i i and, and i just say all that again man are there cops out there like george well i'm sorry what's the the the, the dude that that in george floyd's uh chauvis or whatever his name that guy had no business being a cop yeah he yeah. had zero business being the police you know i the, the the incident that just happened in i think it was Ohio, Arkansas. I can't remember where it was, where the, the three cops were seen and one, one cop was banging the guy's head on, on, the, on the ground. I, I remember posting something on Instagram about that. And I actually had people that tried to defend him. Well, wait till the whole video. There's nothing to defend. This guy was unarmed. Why are you banging his head on the concrete like that? There's nothing to defend there. You know, nothing at all. And, you know, when I was on the job, I always tried to pride myself and and living by that, that what I just told you, that standard, every interaction leaves an impression. And there was a very prominent um, pastor in our in our uh, city. He and I had gotten into it when it was a school strike or something that was going on. He and I had gotten into it. And uh, the last day before or two, the last week before I retired, his son got arrested. And his son was a big boy. He was about 6'4", probably about 270, 280. And he was bipolar. And I didn't have anything to do with the arrest, but I was a hostage negotiator. And when they took him upstairs to, to process him and everything, he became un, unruly and, and, and everything. And they had to put him back in isolation. 
And when they put him back there, he started flooding the toilets and all this stuff and causing all these problems. So they had to take him out of the cell, but they didn't want to go in and get him by himself because he was so big. So my lieutenant said, you want to go up and try to talk to this guy. So when I get off the elevator, there was a young white officer that was going to be taking my place as a negotiator when I retired. And he's standing there and he has a taser and black gloves on. And I looked at him, I go, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to talk to this guy. And I looked at him and I said, everything about you right now says I'm here to do anything except talk. Mm. <laughs> I, said, I said, you are a negotiator. We, our weapon is our mouth. Mm. And I took him back there. I talked to this young man. And all it was was because cops have egos, nobody took time to shut up and listen to him. All he wanted was somebody to go check on his dog because when he got arrested, he didn't have time to feed his dog. So I took the time out and I did what a lot of cops don't do. I listened. Mm. And when he told me what the problem was, I sent somebody over. They fed his dog. We have another problem out of the rest of the night. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't want to take up all your time telling stories, but you got me on the road now, man. I I tell you another story real quick. And this this goes to to what I mean about listening to people. There was a, a, a young lady. Well, I, 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 I got sick um, my last, I think it was five years before I retired. I got, had some health issues and I was forced to come off the road and I had to go inside and work. And when I got in this position, I hated it. And it started to change me as a person. I was to the point where I actually hated people. I hated dealing with people. Mm. And I remember one day I was having a bad day and this sister comes in with her 12 year old son and her mother. And she says, I'm leaving my son here. I can't control him. He hits me. He hits my mom. You do whatever you want to do with him. Like I said, I was having a bad day that day. So I I took this young man aside and I looked at him and I said, hit me. Mm. And he started crying and clenching his fist. And I said, what are you crying for? You was a man when you was punching on your mother and your grandmother. Now you got a man in your face. Go ahead, hit me. I'm going to give you one swing. I'm going to wear your ass out. Yeah. And he clenched his fist and he started crying. Needless to say, he didn't hit me, but he and I ended up talking for almost 40 minutes. And unfortunately, it was one of those situations that I had seen numerous times. There was no strong male figure in his life. He was starting to become of age and hanging with the wrong people and being influenced by the wrong people and, you know, doing bad in school and stealing and and all this whole stuff. And the last thing I said to that kid was, look, man, I don't know you. You don't know me. But if I get an inkling that you put your hands on another human being, I would personally track you down and beat your behind. That was the last thing I said to him. And the day that I retired, um, they were having a, a small party for me at the station. And I get called to come up to the front uh, the front desk. And when I walk out the lobby, it's him and his mom standing there. And his mom says, Officer McNeil, you remember us? And I said, yes, ma'am. How can I help you? She said, I heard you were retiring today. And I just wanted to come in and say thank you and give you a hug. And I said, for what? She says, um, since that day you spoke to my son, he's been a different child. Um, he's doing better in school. He, hits, he stopped hitting me. He stopped hitting my mom. He stopped stealing. And, I, and when she said that to me, man, I was like, wow. You know, it's, it's funny, but I went through all of my health issues for, for that moment when he came through that door so I could be there to talk to him because no one else would have took the time to talk to that kid. And it and, and turns out he was 12 at the time. Uh, this was 10 years ago, so he's 22 now. He's about ready to graduate from Michigan State. Wow. You know, and but it's just a matter of just talking to people and taking the time and, 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 and being empathetic with people. And that's what a lot of cops don't do. Mm, 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 mm. You know, and, 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 I, and I'm happy to say that that's changing now. 
Um, you are starting to see this younger generation of cops that are coming out there are starting to realize that because they grew up, you know, not like I did. You know, when I grew up, my department was, it was 160 people and it was five blacks and I was one of them. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so times have changed, but um, it's a tough job, man. And, and if I could just say one last thing about this, if there's any brothers out there or sisters listening to this, understand that if you are not happy with the way law enforcement treats us, treats people in general, my advice to you is two things. If you're able, Go to your local police department and ask to do a ride along. I promise you, you will change the way you see law enforcement. And two, again, if you're able, join the profession because the only changes come from within. And the only way we're going to make change, we can protest, we can march and do all that. All that stuff worked back in the 40s and 50s and, and 60s. That don't work today. If you want to make a change, you have to change from within side. Like I said, my department, when I started in 92, it was 160 officers. There was five black officers. Today, my department is run by a black chief, and it's about 50% black. The city has totally, the department has totally changed. The way they police has changed. You know, but that's what you have to do. You have to change from within side. Mm, 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 mm. Y'all listen, man, my man just preached. <laughs> and, and it was all true. <laughs> and, and everything you're saying is just so true, man. And, and I, I'm thankful for you sharing all of that because it's important. It's very important. Um, before I was who I am today, you know, I was, a lot of people don't know this stuff about me. You know, I kind of, you know, I was blessed to not ever really get myself in too much trouble, but I was a delinquent and I was doing a lot of stuff that a lot of people had no idea about. And I've had some run-ins with the police. And there are times when I have, I've, every time I lied, I lied to get myself out of trouble. Lied to just lying, like real deal lying. And um, I have some friends that I used to hang out with, you know, who continue to do some of that same stuff, man. You know, and a few of them, uh, they're in prison now. Uh, one of them is dead. Um, and I think about them every day. Every day I think about them. And I, I think about those interactions we had with those cops those times, man. And I remember this one time um, we were stealing and we ended up getting caught in the store. The cops came and they questioned us. It was three of us and just one, like you say, now me and my other friend, we were, we were cool and calm, you know, we, because we knew that we were doing wrong. It's like, man, we ain't got no reason to be acting crazy. You know, we should be very calm, you know, cause we, we knew we were doing wrong, but we had that one friend who's just, man, y'all crackers <laughs> this, you crackers that. I'm like, bro, come on, man. You finna get us in trouble. Yeah. You know, because I mean, like, like I said, we were lying and you know, I feel like they knew we were lying, but they were just like kind of going along with it. And um, man, the one officer, he grabs my friend, he puts him up against the wall and we were in a, um, a, a little small town around here that is pretty known for having, you know, some racial stuff out there. 
And I'm like, bro, we are in the wrong place for you to be doing this. So, you know, yeah. I'm trying to get my friend to calm down. I'm like, bro, you are tripping. Shut up, man. Yeah. They went in, they put him in the car. They came back inside. They talked with me and my other friend. We talked, you know, and they were just kind of like, hey, listen, man, we don't want to see y'all around here no more. Like, seriously. And um, we're going to go back outside. We're going to check on your friend. They go and take him out the car again. He's still just running his mouth. You crack it in. Crack He's it asking out. to go to jail. Come on, <laughs> oh, man. Well, we finna get in trouble. And I'm, you know, and, and I was so mad with him. And they ended up letting us go. And when we left, I'm like, bro, we in the room. You know we what, what we just were doing. Come on, man, bro. You got yeah. to be smarter than that, man. And you know, yeah. and you just like, man, go let them talk crackers talk to me like that, man. Listen, and, and, and if I could, if I can give you, if give the listeners one more piece of advice on and on what you just said, understand this: as a young person, like that, in a situation like that, that officer can have, he don't have to put his hands on you to hurt you. Mm-hmm. That pen is worse than anything he could do to you physically. Yeah, boy. <sighs> because that pen will affect you for life. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so you have to think about all of that stuff, man. Crazy, man. So it's like, you know, I just remember all my interactions and knowing the stuff that I used to do. And I got stopped a lot of times. And, you know, I always knew that. You know, I've always talked with my friends and I tell them, hey, listen, when we get stopped, if uh, if we ever get stopped, this is what we're going to say. This is what we're going to do. Man, just always be respectful. Be, and I feel like just us being respectful always got us out of the trouble. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so now I know I don't do anything like that anymore. So now it's times when I get stopped, like you say, I mean, I'm just, hey, listen, Maybe I was speeding. Man, I was speeding. I was going that fast. Come on, man. And, you know, they give me the ticket. They give me the ticket. If they don't, praise the Lord, you know. But yeah. uh, just knowing how to interact with the cops, you know, and, you know, I know that there's some people, like you said, there's some cops that wake up in the morning, that 1% that might know that I'm going to get someone today. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But I've been blessed to never have ever ran into anything like that. You know, and I'm thankful, but I I don't give them any reason either. You know, sometimes they ain't even got to have a reason, but I ain't going to give you no reason. I'm going to make sure I do what's right. I'm going to say what's right. And I'm just trying to get them to get back in their car and go off. Absolutely. And and what y'all have to remember also is is nowadays, just about every police department, officers are wearing cameras. Mm. So your actions are getting recorded. Mm-hmm. All right. So I just understand that, that, yeah, you can pull your cell phone out and the cell phone video, they only going to show what the officers did, but the officers have a video of everything of that whole interaction. And that's the one that's going to count because when it goes to court, that's what they're going to play. <laughs> you know, but man, you know, you said something and, and taking this back to fatherhood, you know, the importance of my father being in my life, when I get when I became a cop, I'll never forget we was going through orientation. Part of our orientation was having to go up to the county jail to to learn the process up there. And I remember walking through there, and I hear somebody yelling, "Tony, Tony!" I'm like, "Who in the hell calling me in here?" And it turns out I, I turn and I look, and it's one of the cats that I that I grew up with. You know, he's sitting up in the county jail. Another brother that I knew, we had a shooting one night. 
drive-by shooting guy, car stops at a red light, two vans pull up and light him up. Another mm. one of them brothers that I grew up with, you know, they all took that path because they didn't have their fathers in their lives. They mm. all took that path, you know, to, to sell dope and, and, and run the streets and it caught up to them. You know, luckily, I, th I think out of the probably the five or six of us, I was the only one whose father was in his life. Wow. You know, and all those other brothers are now dead or in jail. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Man, that's wild, man. Yeah. So, so, man, I we just really encourage the dads out there, man. You know, especially if you have sons, man, you know, make sure that you are. One thing I always say, I don't want my son to have to to go and look for what he needs in the streets or to anyone outside of his house. He should be able to come to me. Yeah. And I want to build that type of relationship with my son where he feels comfortable coming to me, whatever, with whatever it is he has going on. And that's why I've tried, you know, my kids are young right now, but you know, I'm always trying to be open with them about mm -hmm. everything, you know, just trying to let them see that daddy ain't perfect either. Yeah. Oh, so just like, you know, I'm getting on y'all behind about messing up. Daddy mess up too. And I hold myself accountable. I ain't gonna tell y'all to do anything that I won't hold myself accountable to. I had that conversation with them yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter was getting upset with me. And I'm like, do I ever tell you to do anything I don't do? Everything you I tell you to do, you see me do it right here with your own eyes. Yeah. So everything I'm telling you, I tell I have to tell myself these things. You know, so if I'm getting on you about cleaning up the house, I'm gonna clean up too. Right. You know, if I'm getting on you about doing right, I need to be trying to do right too. You know, and, and and I'm man enough to tell them at times when I'm wrong, you know, I might feel like I've done something wrong and I go to my babies and I tell them, hey, look, listen, daddy was wrong. You know, that's on me, you know, and um, it's crazy, man. One one time, my son, my, my youngest daughter and my son got into a fight. They were just in the room, just going back and forth, going back and forth. So when I come in the room, I see him push her and so I'm like, I'm, I get pissed. So I kind of pushed him down on his bed. Like, Hey, listen, you can't be doing that. Yeah. And I felt like I, I pushed him. I was a little too rough on him. Like I was, I was very rough with it. And later that night, you know, I was putting him down the bed and he was just like, daddy, it's okay that you push me. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's that's not okay. That's not okay. And I don't want you to think, that, that it's okay because I did it. Because I shouldn't put my hands on you just like I told you, you shouldn't be putting your hands on your sister. No, that's not the right way to handle that. We could have talked about that. So in the same way I got, I hold him accountable. I try to hold myself accountable to certain things because I'm like, if I'm telling him, don't put your hands on people, but then I'm putting my hands on him. It's like, well, daddy, you do it. Right. You know, when you get upset, you put your hands on people. So he might feel like, well, I'm upset. I'm going to do like what daddy do. Yeah. And all that does is later on in his life is teach him not to listen to dad because he don't believe what dad says. Yes, man. Yes. Yes. And that's the type of stuff that I'm, you know, constantly always trying to, you know, hold myself accountable to, you know, don't tell them things that I don't do. You know, I want to be that example for them so that when I tell them something, I want for them to see the example in me. Yeah, absolutely. So that when I tell them it has power to it, you know, and they say, well, you know, daddy do it. 
So For if sure. he tells us, then it must be something right. You know, so yeah, man, I want to go. I got this couple more questions for you. I want to go here really quick. Okay. I know that you've been married for 30 years, man. 30 years. I'm on <laughs> 10 years right now. I just hit 10 years. In and um, man, this ninth and 10th year have probably been the hardest years this far. And I did some research on it and everything. And they were like, you know, it's really, when you get to that point, there's certain years that's harder than others. Mm-hmm. But um, what advice would you give me, man? You know, um, if anything, you know, any advice you would give me to get, I want to one day be there, you know, 30 and 40 years. I would start with, I would start with this. Understand that it ain't going to be roses all the time. Mm. You know, you, you, you got to have those rough moments because that makes you, that makes you appreciate each other, Mm. you know, and it ain't in 30 years, man. I mean, come on. It ain't, ain't nobody, ain't nothing perfect. We've had our ups and downs. Trust me. We, we got to the point where we wanted to kill each other. Yeah. You know, but with that, I say this, there was a point in time when you saw your wife and you said, damn, I want to spend the rest of my life with her. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Always remember what that was Mm. because everything else you'll work through Mm. when that feeling is gone, the marriage is over. Mm. But there was a point in time that that woman stole your heart and you said, you know what? I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And I think we lose that. And as long as you remember that feeling that you had at that moment, Mm. what you were doing to, 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 to treat her that good, to make her be that one, the way y'all treated each other, that's what you have to get back to. I remember I had a, a young brother that used to work with me and he was um, taking my place up on the front desk when I retired. And I looked over at his computer one day and he was looking at wedding rings. I'm like, you getting married? Yeah. And he says, well, don't say nothing, but um, I'm thinking about asking this girl to marry. I'm like, you ain't even dating nobody. And he says, yeah, I actually met somebody. And I'm like, when? He said, three weeks ago. <laughs> I, I said three weeks ago yeah. and you talking about getting married he says yeah he goes can I ask you a question he says I always hear you say when you met your wife you knew she was the one how did you know that and I said honestly Aaron it's a feeling that you can't explain mm-hmm. you can't put it into words it's just something that you just know and he says I have that feeling. I said, well, what did you meet her at? <laughs> and he said, well, she came in to make a police report. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, man. <laughs> was she the victim, a witness, <laughs> the suspect? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, no, she was a victim and, and, and something was still, I said, okay, okay. Yeah. So we end up talking and, you know, I told him, I said, man, listen, I can't, you can't put it into words. I know it's only been three weeks, but if you got that feeling that, you know, she the one. And when you, and they, they, they end up getting married and they're still married. This going on 12 years now. Wow. 
Yeah. And um, he called me about two years ago on their anniversary. And because I wished him an anniversary, happy anniversary, and he called me. He says, man, I remember what you told me. Don't ever lose that feeling. Mm. And I said, yeah, man, that, that's very important because a lot of people lose that. And um, as long as you hold on to that and you remember why that person was that precious and that important to you that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with them, mm. you can fix everything else. Yeah. You know? And that would be my advice, man. Just never lose that, 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 that instance. Mm. Man, it's, that's like confirmation for me, man, because uh, we, were, we were going through it pretty rough this year. And um, I started doing some real soul searching. And what I really came to was this. I stopped cherishing my wife. I stopped cherishing her and looked. I started allowing everything else outside of why I first loved her to affect how I felt. And I went mm -hmm. back to that. I was like, why did I even want her in the first place? And it just took me back. I'm like, it was not, it wasn't about what she did for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about, you know, how I felt like she treated me. None of that stuff. It was just her. Yeah. I'm like, that was my baby. You know, and I'm yeah. like, and she's still that, you know, outside of all the all the things that I can make up in my mind about what she don't do and what, man, all that stuff don't matter. <laughs> I'm like, at the end of the day, she wasn't doing that stuff when I first met her, and I still love her. Exactly. We went a whole long distance relationship for three years. Yeah. And I'm like, that was my baby when she used to come to town. Man, that was like the happiest I was at that. I moment. hear you, man. I, I hear you. That's my baby boy. Like and my wife and I used to date, nothing. man. I was living in my apartment when I used to turn that corner when I used to get home from, from work and I used to see that little red Datsun or Nissan sitting there. <laughs> I used to light up, man. Yeah. You know? and, and you have to remember that's, you know, life happens to us and it starts to pile on and, it, and, it, and, it, and we forget about those, those reasons, those moments, you know, and you have to, to, to go back and, and, and bring that stuff back. Mm -hmm. That's some good stuff, man. Good stuff. This is my last question for you right here. If you could sit down and talk with the 18 year old version of Anthony, you know, if you can, just the way me and you are talking right now, I know you're talking to another Anthony right now. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could talk to that 18 year old version of yourself and give that young man one piece of advice going forward, knowing everything that you know right now, what would you say to him? Don't be afraid of success. Mm. A lot of people are afraid to fail. I was never afraid to fail. I was always afraid to succeed. Mm. And what I mean by that is with success becomes responsibility and accountability. And a lot of people aren't ready for that and all that that encompasses. And for a long time, I'd always wanted to be a business owner, but I never had the resources to do it but looking back on it that was always just an excuse i was afraid to succeed and i i and it wasn't until i got into my 20s because i i had low self-esteem back when i was a teen and all that stuff so you know all that stuff played a part of it but until i got out of that and realized that if i'm gonna have anything in life that nobody's gonna give it to me like my old man used to tell me you got to go get it 
And that's what I would say. Don't be afraid to succeed. Don't be afraid to go get it because nobody's going to give it to you. Same advice my father gave me. Good stuff right there, man. <laughs> oh, man, listen, Mr. McNeil, man, this was, it's a blessing right here, man. You know, I- Thank you, man. I enjoyed uh, this. I always say, you know, this podcast is for everyone else, but mainly it's for me. You know, and I, I love to- hear the stories of people that have more experience than me in certain areas. And I just like to soak this wisdom up, you know, and just hear you, you, you've given me a lot that I could, you know, come back to and listen to and really try to implement certain things into my life, you know, and just be a better dad, be a better man, yeah. be a better husband. And that's what I'm striving for every day, just to try and be better than yesterday. Absolutely. You gave me a lot of tools, man. So I'm definitely appreciative of you coming on and sharing. Yeah, man. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, to the listener out there, I hope, you know, that I said something that that helps you, you know, and, you know, if you if any of your listeners out there want to continue, you know, don't feel free. Hit, hit me up on Instagram or, or Facebook or something. And, uh, you know, let, let's talk. Oh, yeah. Tell them where they can find you on all your social media pages. Yeah, man, everything you can find me at We Black Fathers, um, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. You like uh, <laughs> <laughs> or you can just go to my website, We Black Fathers, and, and you can find me on there. Um, you know, We Black Fathers is a podcast that I started a, a few months ago. And I started it because I was tired of the way that Black fathers and Black men in general were being portrayed, not only in the media, you know, but I, and I can't remember the commercial I was watching. And, and every time I say this, it sounds bad, but please don't anyone take this offensively. But I, I remember seeing this commercial. It was some medicine commercial and they had two Black guys, a Black, oh, a white, a white gentleman, and I think two white women in it. And Every time I see this commercial or a commercial like it, the black man were always gay. Yeah. The white man was always doing something, quote, masculine. Mm. And I'm like, why is that always the, the case? Mm. You know, and, and nothing against anyone that, that's gay or anything like that. I just feel like there needs to be a balance because there is another side to that. Don't just always show that. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah, there, there are, are, are gay black people, of course. But there was also masculine, yes. old school men out there, you know, show that too. There are also fathers out there who take care of their kids and, and, and are with their wives. Show that too, yeah, you know, and I just got tired of, of, of seeing, of not seeing that. So I just wanted to do something just to tell the stories of black fathers that are out there and part of their kids' lives and, and the struggles that they've gone through. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a podcast, but it's also an, an online community that I've started. And we're now in the process of getting the paperwork together to start a foundation to help younger fathers who are struggling financially, um, emotionally, and, you know, just need whatever assistance that they, they, they need. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm trying to make it a whole movement, man. I want it to be more than just a podcast, you know, mm -hmm. so, but anybody that wants to reach out to me, just find me at weblackfathers.com. Yes, sir. I love that, man. I love that. I would definitely be sending some traffic your way, man, because we need more of this. You know, I always tell people if I hear someone, 
you know, sometimes in my area, someone might say, well, I seen so-and-so trying to start a fatherhood podcast and I know you are to do it. I'm like, so? <laughs> it's not enough of us, man. That's not, it's not enough. I say, shoot, <laughs> give me their name and number. I interviewed them on my podcast and seeing people that way because yeah. we need more representation, man. And it's yeah. funny to say what you said because that's the exact reason why I started this. Because mm-hmm. I, felt like I just got tired of it. You know, people yeah. like, you know, black dads are just, every time people see me, especially being a young black dad, in this time, people would see me with my kids in the grocery store and say, hey, you got the kids for the weekend. Right. Like, why does that have to be for the weekend? <laughs> like, my kids, man. You know? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, huh? No, man, this every day. You know, <laughs> you know so I you, got tired of hearing that type of stuff. And I'm like, man, I know like, hundred a hundred dads right now i can name you that's just like me yeah and i will always tell people that but i say you know what i always say that but now i'm gonna do it i'm gonna start a podcast and bring those very dads i was talking about onto my podcast to let them speak for themselves and tell y'all about their story and bring these just so that's what we do just bringing dads on to be representation and you know white dads started reaching out i'm like man come on and tell your story too because yeah, I heard the one with you had with the one dude from um, Utah, I think it was. Yep, Utah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, I feel like dads in general, you know, they always make us seem so goofy, like on cartoons. It's like the dad, the mom goes to the grocery store and then the dad, she's like, hey, I'll be back. And when she leaves, the dad allows the kids to burn the house down. Right. It's like, why do you always <laughs> got to portray us like we're just inadequate to take care of our house, you know? Like, Absolutely. That's not, that's not us, man, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna put you on the spot right here on on, on, the, on your podcast, man. I'm extending the invite right now. Yes, Come sir. join me on, on an episode, so. Let's do it, <laughs> let's do it, man. Uh, let me know your dates that you're available and uh, we'll work something out. Yeah, I'll send you a link. I got a calendar on there. You can just go on and pick the dates that work for you. So I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link and uh, and we'll go from there. That sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yes, sir. Well, uh, for all my listeners out there, man, y'all go and find this. You can find this episode and every other episode streaming on the website at www.dadcanwetalk.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. You can just go on Google and type in Dad Can We Talk. And most likely we're going to come up in the first few uh, entries so um if y'all want to connect let me know if you got some dads you want to come on here let me know um and if you want to buy shirts i still have shirts available um get in contact with me we can set something up and i'll make sure you get your shirt but um man that is it for episode 83 of dad can we talk mr mcneil man i appreciate you and you be blessed out there man likewise man likewise for sure all right it's dad can we talk we out of here